You're now listening to Cinco Squad. All right, so you guys know I'm on my U.S. Open kick here, last major of the year in tennis, and I am trying to understand why Novak Djokovic is getting disrespected. Young kid Ben Shelton beats Francis Tiafo. Huge serve. The kid has a good game. He's up and coming. But I'm reading articles about Novak Djokovic is going to have to be a genius and find ways around this kid's game. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Novak Djokovic is the greatest tennis player of all time, arguably, because he has the most Grand Slam titles, at least on the men's side. So why is it that this Ben Shelton kid, who's never even been in this situation in the U.S. Open, so the kid's finding himself in his first ever semifinal of a Grand Slam, and the greatest of all time is the one that has to figure out his game? If I'm Novak Djokovic, I'm like, thank you very much, media. If I needed any more motivation... It's that I have to figure out some unknown kid. Yeah, I know the kid, Ben Shelton. People who Florida tennis fans know him. American tennis fans know him. The average person doesn't know Ben Shelton. Everybody knows the Joker, Novak Djokovic. Put some respect on the champ's name. I'm tired of it. Novak, take care of this kid. Yeah, buddy. We're back again here. Another Thursday with Cinco Squad and a special episode as it is our 75th episode, fellas. Woo! With me are my brothers, are Mike, Grandpa Jay, and Trey Day. Fellas, happy Thursday and happy 75th episode. This episode was brought to you by Fans Idea. As you can see, me and Mike are rocking the Fans Idea jerseys that we got here for Cinco Squad. Make sure you go check them out. They are baseball jerseys, hockey jerseys, football jerseys, any jersey you really want. Any custom brand, any hat you want, anything. Cinco Squad 10, get yourself 10% off. Go ahead, get some deals, man. Go, go ahead. Hey, you know some of you guys love the matching thing with your ladies or, or the whole family is all geared out. Come on, guys. Great time of the year to make that purchase. Purchase Cinco Squad 10. Let's ring it up, Mike, with what's on your mind today. Well, okay. So this week, uh, I had a little help with what was on my mind. It was a little help from Grandpa Jay. Grandpa Jay provided me a fun fact that I was so excited to bring to you guys, which is this. I actually wrote it down because it's a lot of information. Grandpa Jay knows that. <laughs> oh boy. So, in 2008, Michael Riley of Alabama basketball hit a buzzer-beating three to send the Mississippi State-Alabama SEC tournament quarterfinal game to overtime. Yeah, it was the SEC, so it's the SEC tournament. It was a quarterfinal round. And like I said, it's a lot of information. He had a buzzer-beating three to send it to overtime. Eight minutes later, a 120-mile-per-hour tornado passed 200 yards from the arena in Atlanta. Wow. Shaking the building, breaking windows, tearing holes in the walls, and flipping cars in the parking lot. Thousands of fans would have either been walking home or walking out to their cars in the parking lot had he not hit that shot. Wow. <laughs> so he hit a shot that sent it not only to over the game to overtime and prolonged Alabama's season, but prolonged <laughs> the lives of thousands of fans. He's a true savior of Alabama. He is, he is in that whole arena. <laughs> yeah, everybody in that arena better have a shrine of that kid somewhere in there. Right. House. I want to exactly. like, like a bobblehead or like a with the three, like that, everything. That, like, right there. <laughs> everything. Every they need to buy his That's jersey. Yeah. They need his hat. 
Christmas every year. Send him a Christmas. Thank you, Kai. With exactly buy his jersey from the team in Greece. He ended up playing for. <laughs> so the question is, did they continue the game after that? Or yeah, they did. They... Yeah, they were in the middle. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had to pause it to, while the bill it was passing the building. But they were. I think they said it was. There was like two eleven left when they could stopped you, the game. Could you imagine if the shot there was like the tornado was coming through and someone was putting up a game winning shot and it hits the rim <laughs> and, and it shakes and it goes in? It's like. <laughs> What the hell? <laughs> uh, count the basket? Uh, yeah. You can I mean, it went in. Technical like when on the tornado. <laughs> it's like when you were a kid and shaking the basket behind when you when you were playing one-on-one with yeah. your friends. Yeah. <laughs> that's oh. really interesting. <laughs> yeah. That's, so thank you, Grandpa Jay, for providing me that because I found that incredibly amazing. And yeah. thank you, Michael Riley, for saving all those people's lives. Way to go, Mr. Riley. I want to hear about what Jay's got for his lock of the week this week. Ladies and gentlemen, it is football time. So you know which direction we're going in this week. My locks of the week. Like we said, the show brought to you by fans idea, Cinco squad 10, hop on and get your 10% discount. But if you want to buy a whole bunch of stuff, you need to put these bets in this weekend. So you got some moolah to make your purchases next week. So here's the deal for this week. I love what I'm hearing right now coming out of Kansas City's camp, not for owners of Travis Kelsey, but for the Detroit Lions plus four and a half that they're getting tomorrow night. I know the game is in KC, but we all know how different Kansas City looks without a reliable Travis Kelsey in that offense to keep drives alive. Nobody else in that receiving core has proved themselves yet. Not Sky Moore, not Mike's boy. Go ahead and say his name, Mike. You know you love him. Darius Tony. Darius Tony. No, I do not like him. I'm glad he's not on the Giants. <laughs> you love him. You don't like him. No receiver on that team has proved himself as of yet. Therefore, advantage Detroit in terms of the points that you're going to give them. It might drop come tomorrow night, knowing that Kelsey's not going to suit up most likely. So if you can get the four and a half right now, take the four and a half, ladies and gentlemen. Detroit Lions plus four and a half all the way. And I do have two bonuses this week. Much to Mike Chagrin, you know how we feel about the Cowboys. Everybody, three to one. Let's say it in unison. Fuck the Cowboys, three to one. Fuck the, Fuck the Cowboys. Fuck the Cowboys this Monday night because give me the Giants at plus three and a half all day long, baby. If they lose that game, it's because they lose by a field goal. Love the Giants at plus three and a half. Hate Dallas on the road. I just, I, I just think totally, totally overrated. They played great at home, not on the road last year. And for my final bet, you know I was going to do it. I got to jump on the prime train. Coach Prime, you got my attention. Colorado, only a three-point favorite at home. And how cool is it that the, the Nebraska-Colorado rivalry might be back? Nebraska looked That'd really sweet. good last week. We might actually get a great Colorado-Nebraska game. But this this <laughs> Shooter Sanders is the guy right now. Don't know if Nebraska can slow him down. Then you got Travis Hunter making plays on any side of the field. Doesn't matter, offense, defense. Both those kids look great in week one. I love Colorado at minus three. So I got not one, not two, but three locks for you this week, ladies and gentlemen. You got to find these locks because if you want to buy our fans' ideas gear, you got to get it off the back of these bets, ladies and gentlemen. Lock it in there. The Bronx Bombers are back, man. They're back for a playoff hunt. Seven and a half as of today of this recording on Wednesday. It's amazing to see these guys back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you back here about, mm, let's say, about 18 years ago 
to a so-called team called the uh, 1995 Yankees who snuck into the playoffs, got eliminated, and Donnie Baseball, we said goodbye to him and welcome in a new captain into the league. And Derek Jeter, Jorge Posada, Mariano Rivera, Andy Pettit, the core four, baby. And, and this is the core four for the Yankees right now. They have Jason Dominguez, Austin Wells, Anthony Volpe, Everson Pereira, Oswald Peraza, Oswaldo Cabrera. These young kids have put a resurgence into the Yankees. And for a Yankee fan like myself, I am so excited. So looking at this team, it looks eerie similar to that 1995 team. Older team that needed like a new name, new everything. And had this resurgence in September and pushed the Yankees into the wild card, pushed them into the playoffs, give Donnie Baseball an opportunity to play in the playoffs. Now, we have our captain and Aaron Judge, but seeing this young team and Jason Dominguez again tonight hits a home run to take the lead. He did it on Sunday night. He did it on his first ever at bat. This kid is everything that you want out of a Yankees player right now. And as a Yankees fan... I have lost hope for the season until these young guys came up. And one thing I said on the on the rotation was, why did you wait so long? You, ha- you were already seven and a half back after the All-Star break. Why did you wait so long? Bring them up. Let them have a chance. And look what's happening. Everyone's healthy. Everyone's having a great time. They look like they're having fun on the bench. I haven't, this is the first time I've seen Aaron Boone actually happy for once this season. So hats off to the, these young guys. I hope they make the playoffs because if they do, this will be exciting as hell to see these young guys going to the playoffs. They swept Houston. They have a big series against Milwaukee coming up. Boston, Toronto. These are key series for the Yankees. Let's go, Yankees. We got this. Playoff push, baby. Let's go. And that was Grandpa Jay's locks, locks of the week. Make sure you lock it down. But I know what we're locking down here right now is our primetime week one matchups. What we think is the best matchup this week in week one. Make sure you comment below and let us know your favorite game of the week. Grandpa Jay, I'll throw it over to you and let you let you continue this amped up energy that you have. Let's do it. What is your week one matchup that you, you're interested to see? Well, most people might think that I would have gone with the Monday night game because why not, right? And Rogers versus the 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 future versus who was the now, right? So it's like, is he passing passing the torch to Josh Allen because Patrick Mahomes has kind of already surpassed both of those guys? He's in a league of his own. Yeah, but I'm not going there. I'm going straight to Ohio, Cleveland. My boy over there sitting down to the right. I love me some Cincinnati, Cleveland this week. And here's why. Most people don't know, after an abysmal Monday night showing against the Browns last year, that Joe Cooler than the other side of the pillow borough got his first win against the Browns last year at the end of the season. Took him six tries to get his first win against the Browns. So as of now, the Browns have actually owned Joe Cool and the Cincinnati Bengals since he's taken over a quarterback. And it's also, to me, the most interesting debut of any player in the league because, Mr. You've been paid more than anybody else. You better show up and play some foosball 
or else people gonna be knocking on that hitting him out of their time that they're, they're, they're trying to play the football that they're trying to play no more. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. The way I see things is if the Sean don't show up here in week one, it's gonna be debate galore. People gonna be saying Cleveland once again being Cleveland making the worst investment in NFL history. If he shows up and he shows up flat, he's gonna to have to do a lot to recover in week two. You are not a prisoner of the moment if Deshaun Watson does not look good this week. And willing to see if Joe Burrow here could win two in a row against the Browns because that seems to be his bogey team. So I'm loving that AFC North matchup. You know, I got you know what I got I got some love for the Cincinnati Bengals there. So I'm going all Bengals. That's who I'm picking for the game. But it might not this, be that easy for the Browns. It might not be that easy for the Bengals this week. This this is a very interesting matchup, in my opinion. I think this is a very important game for Deshaun Watson coming off everything that he's had in the past, having a shit season last year. I mean, he only played what six games or something mm-hmm. like that. But realistically, this is his first full season as the Browns quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. He's got some weapons around with Donovan Peoples Jones, Amari Cooper. Now I know they're past their, you know, kind of past their prime in a sense. You know, Elijah Mitchell, uh Nick, was it Njoku? Uh mm-hmm. the David Njoku, yeah. Yeah, the big guy. Um, yeah. So I mean, um let's see what happens with this offense. I mean, I think they they could be secretly good, right? I've seen anywhere from seven and 10 to, you know, anywhere from like 12 and five for the Browns. Um, now that's a stretch in my opinion, but when Deshaun was on the field before all this happened, the scandal, the everything like that, he was one of the top quarterbacks in the league. So looking at this game, it could be, this is a really, I think a very critical game for Deshaun Watson as a player in this league to be taken seriously. He needs to go out and beat Cincinnati to make a statement for the Browns this year, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. In week one, I know there is a long season, but this game means a lot more than just one game. So, Trey, what do you think? Oh, the Bengals are going to win this game. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't trust what I saw with Mm -hmm. Deshaun Watson last year. Uh, I just didn't like what I saw at all from him. I think the Bengals still have a chip on their shoulder. At the mm-hmm. end of the day, you have one of the best quarterback-receiver combos in the league. Yes. Uh, you still have a good running back there. And I just think at the end of the day, that, that fact, Jamie said, it keeps coming up. And I think that is actually going to motivate the Bengals more because I don't think they really take the Browns that seriously. And then they didn't in that Monday night football game, got their ass busted in the second time. Yeah. Seriously. Also, the Bengals the last few years have had very slow starts. So I expect them this season to have a better start because – that's been one of the themes of them is, oh, the Bengals are going to start off one and four or something like that. I think that crazy game last year versus Pittsburgh and it yeah. starts off slow. So I expect the Bengals to win. But I don't. I think the Browns will be, you know, maybe a game or so under 500, maybe one game over 500. I see a lot of the hype coming out there, but the Browns are going to do what the Browns do. This is the Cleveland Browns. Y'all yeah. know what this is with them. Let's not play games. You know who you are. So what about you, Mike? What's your feelings on it? At the end of the day, the Browns will be the Browns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. D T R, D T R, D T R. End it by the end of the season. If Deshaun Watson isn't showing up, D T R is going to be that starting quarterback. He looked too good in camp to deny him. He's going to be this year's Brock Purdy. No, a hundred percent. The Bengals are going to win this game, barring a vast majority of their players not being able to play. They're going to win. The Browns are the Browns. I mean, like you guys said, the Browns are the Browns, and. The Bengals, I, I do agree. I do think they have that chip on their shoulder. I think Burrow has a bit of a chip on his shoulder now. It, it is like 
I, okay, you got Mahomes, but I feel like Burrow's like, I'm the second best guy in the league. Like, yeah. the only guy to consistently beat me, aside from apparently the Browns, is Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> so, man, I, I think he's out to prove exactly who he is this year. They're out to prove exactly who they are, especially with all the talk that their defense got worse, their defense can't hold up all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And that makes it interesting because what's left to be seen is Nick Chubb can actually be the best player on the field this right. weekend in right. that game. And right. if he is, I've managed Cleveland Browns because that means Deshaun is not going to have to throw it 28 times. He's going to throw it maybe 17, 20 times, which gives them a much better chance of winning the game. This is the best Browns team that we've seen in a very long time. They finally right. have – they have finally have a stable quarterback. Right, they have. I mean, I know, I know, he's, I know, shaky, shaky, right? Like he is, <laughs> but like from previous, right? Like from previous, like years, like out of all their draft pick, he's better than every single draft pick, yeah, comparatively of all their draft picks, yeah. right? So it's like you hope he has the ceiling that he. No, are you sure it's the same man without the massaging? Well, he might get a massage for the game. If he doesn't know, get that but... massage, I don't know if Deshaun Washington's the same person. <laughs> I'm very concerned. The masseuses in Cleveland are running right now. I'm very concerned for that man. Can you imagine how uncomfortable it is for the person who is currently giving him massages? <laughs> oh, it, must man. Be, it must be some, like, 220-pound retired Some Hawaiian soldier. guy with a shirt, yeah, some with a Hawaiian guy. shirt. <laughs> It's like no, it's Tito from Rocket Power. He's Tito. Just... Oh, yeah. oh my God, that's such a good pull. It's not even funny. Thank you. I remember. Oh, could you, you imagine? Me. All right, it's like some like you know, his name is Ashley, and he goes, "Where's Ashley? I'm right here." <laughs> Hello, brother. He's like three fifty, just <laughs> just doing doing his like white dance. Try try anything. No, sir. No, but I do think that the Bengals win this game convincingly. I was just giving a statement on how the Browns need to prove a lot right in week one. 100%. But I think the Bengals have been embarrassed by the Browns. And it's been a, it's been like one of those like like bad tooths in their in their mouth. And they're just like, yeah. God damn, I'm just gonna get this fixed. I'm gonna beat the shit out. I think it's a I think it's a three touchdown win. Only two and a half right now, which is crazy, right? Two and a half. I think, no, I think it's a three touchdown win. We're not gonna see Joe Cool or Jamar Ooh. in the fourth quarter. So damn, bro. Beat down. Beat, Beat him down. down. Beat him down. Let me swing, Beat let me swing it to Mike and Mike. It's the game of the week. So I was looking, there's a few good games this week, and, and people would conventional wisdom of knowing me would think. Oh, I'm going to pick the Sunday night game because, oh, go Giants, Cowboys. Um, but I'm actually not. The most interesting game to me this week, actually, Jay, I'm glad you, you swung it to me because it is the matchup of our best new QB wide receiver duos. <laughs> you picked Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley. I picked Anthony Richardson and Michael Pittman. There we go. It's a good Colts, matchup. Colts Jaguars. No, I think, I think this is going to be a very good, like, litmus test for mm-hmm. where both – teams are at to start the year are the jaguars that yeah i said litmus test yeah oh i'm bringing science into this we ain't playing around this is this is football this is nfl season yeah um are the jag we'll get to see in week one it's a good test for week one are the jaguars as that much better as they're supposed to be did the colts fill a lot of the holes even without jonathan taylor can they survive without jonathan taylor what team, right? What team are they without their star? Is Anthony Richardson their new star? 
Mm-hmm. Does Pittman make the jump? Does, you know, how's like, is the line just as good as it has been? Quentin Nelson and the Jaguars, they got a whole new, like, is it Saxonville again? Like there's a lot of questions on both sides of the ball for both teams. So I think it's going to be a great test with each other. And I think it's going to be a battle. I think it's going to be closer than some people. I think what it's at five right now for Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be, I think it might be like a three personally. I think it might be like a like whoever wins will be by a field goal. But John, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a good matchup. I I just can't trust the Colts right now. I don't know how Anthony Richardson is going to be with a team that gave Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs trouble last year in the in the AFC Championship game, right? So um, it was a tough matchup, or no, wait, a divisional game. I'm sorry, um, but. It was a tough defense. They only got better, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the Colts did in the offseason. You know, I didn't see many acquisitions. You know, they got AR. They got their quarterback, which is great, right? You know, and that's what we kept saying last year. They were quarterback away. Well, now they have disputes with their running back. You know, can Deion Jackson be the guy, you know, that we were hoping for? So, mm-hmm. um, I think – Jacksonville wins this game. I think the second matchup is going to be a lot tougher than the first. I think Jacksonville's more sound right now, and they're better. They're a better fit team in the sense of they returned a lot of their guys, got rid of a lot of the older guys. You know, really got the the you know, Kelvin Ridley back. I think he's going to be Trevor Lawrence's go to guy 100 percent of the time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I I think Jacksonville wins this convincingly. I don't think it's close. Um, I, that's two games in a row for me, but I just I, I I think the Colts need some time to build up on, um, you know, chemistry and everything like that. Trey, Duval County, this is gonna be fast. <laughs> oh. I don't yeah. think this is gonna be close. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think it's even a good game. Now I still pick Anthony Richardson as my rookie of the year, but I do also, while picking him as rookie of the year, think the Colts are gonna be in the bottom five teams in the in the league this year. Meanwhile, I think on the other end, I think Jacksonville is actually gonna win their division. So I don't think this is even going to be a close matchup at all. Uh, Jacksonville has improved. They uh, they already had Trevor Lawrence coming on second half of the year. Lawrence going to keep going. Assuming that Ridley picks up where he left off in a couple of years, and that is a big assumption, then I think that's a big addition. If not, Christian Kirk has been good. I think Evan Ingram is good. ETN and, and uh, Trevor Lawrence have always been a good combo all the way back to the Clemson days. They have an actual real coach. No offense to Urban Meyer, but at the same time, that is an offense to Urban Meyer as an NFL coach. They have an actual real coach out there at this point in Jacksonville. And now he's going to have another year under his wing. I expect a full-on ass-kicking in this game. I don't expect Indiana to hang in there. I expect Ant to run for his life. He'll probably have good numbers just because in the end, he'll be just force-feeding some shit and running around for his life. But I expect Duval County's finest to go ahead and beat the hell out of uh, the Colts up there. Uh, mm-hmm. What about you, Jay? You're down there in Florida. What do you feel about the Jags? Uh, Duval County, baby. I mean, let's name the Colts starting running back this week, Deion Jackson. I mean, honestly, Jaguars, the Jaguars are not going to stop Deion Jackson, who is their third string option and maybe okay. their fourth, he moved his way up. So and that alone just says to me that it makes them one-dimensional. Too much pressure for AR in week one. They're going to get to him often. He will turn the ball over probably early, forcing something, especially if they go down by two early touchdowns, which I think they will. And then look at the secondary this year. The Colts are starting all over again. The youth movement is officially here against one of the best receiving cores in football because Evan Ingram is that wide receiver type tight end. 
So you're yeah. talking about four deep in that position. Christian Kirk may have been the best player that people didn't give enough credit to last year in terms of his production for this team. The, the guy was automatic, yeah. just as good as Chris Godwin was for the Bucks, but didn't get that kind of respect. So I love what I love the potential of this Jaguars team. I feel this is not a good start for AR because that team's going to come after him. They will. I mean, and, and maybe, maybe we see the elusiveness right away. And, and, you know, all of a sudden it's like, well, maybe this can be a game if his legs do prove to do a lot more for him than I'm thinking right now. But I just think the Jags game plan too well for a rookie QB to do any damage against them. They're on a trajectory path to maybe even making the conference championship game this year. And I think we see that team in week one. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing, right? So I see two really far-sighted things happening, right? AR comes out, you know, throws for over 300, rushes for over 150, has four or five touchdowns, perseveres the Colts to a win, or complete opposite. He has like three three picks, you know, five or six sacks, you know, you know those. I don't see anything in the middle. You know what I mean? Well, it's I help you out. He never had those video game numbers that you had. <laughs> right. <happening in> the <laughs> right. <laughs> Right, and like that's the, that's the crazy part too, right? Because like we, that's what we saw at Florida, and that's what I was saying last week is that we saw this at Florida. We always thought like, oh, this is going to be the guy, and he just it just seemed like he never took it to that next level. So we'll see what happens. I mean, he could be he's like when you get drafted, it's a whole different story. You come into camp confident, you come in ready to go. So should be a, it should be an interesting game in the first quarter, but I think Jags take it away. So Mike, who you want next? Uh, let's go over to Trey. Trey, what's your game? Okay, so uh, game for me, it is an interesting matchup because you're looking at one team, I and mean, these are two historical teams. You have one team that has the most Super Bowls and tied for the most Super Bowls. They're going against a team who has the second most Super Bowls in the history of the league. You have the last two defensive player of the years going head up in this matchup. You have one team that's revamped their whole offensive line going against one of the best defensive linemen. You have what most people would consider two of the top at least five or six coaches in the league, and that would be my Pittsburgh Steelers going against the San Francisco 49ers. Interesting news coming out uh, yesterday that Joey Bosa went ahead and signed his extension. So we're going to assume that he's probably going to be there, probably on a pitch count. But watching him go against the new Steelers offensive line, that's going to be fun. We're not sure George Kittle is going to play. But there's just a lot of interesting things going on. You have one of the teams who led at the end of the year were on a hot streak in the Steelers. One of the hottest teams leaving the season. He has the 49ers who almost made it to the Super Bowl. These are two teams I think that are going to make the playoffs. Uh, so I just think this is going to be a very fun matchup. You got a lot of hard nosed players in this. I mean, you got Christian McCaffrey, yes. who's versatile. You got Najee Harris, who's versatile. There's just a lot to love about this matchup. And I'm going to pick my Steelers. I'm biased, but I'm also picking my Steelers because I think certain people have slept on my Steelers. And I just think at the end of the day, you're going to put Coach Tomlin out there, and he's had all offseason to prep these guys for this. You got Kenny P. He's been coming on strong. Over there, you got Brock Purdy. We don't know if Brock Purdy's fully, you know, together. He might be someone on a pitch count. Are they going to unleash him fully? It's a lot of things still to wonder about right. in San Fran. And honestly, I think San Fran is one of my teams I think will be in the final four. So it's not shading them. I just think they're going to come on stronger in the second half of the year. So I think my Steelers at home are going to go ahead and take that matchup. But um, how you feeling about this, Mike? Yeah, so I think it's definitely a good matchup. Um, two very similarly built teams in how they like to attack things and, and and the questions that they have. They have similar questions. 
but I'm going to – I think it's close. I do think it's close. I think this is one where it is probably comes down to a field goal. I'm going to take the Niners. I think right now they're the better team. Plus, I personal opinion, take it or leave it, I think they have the better quarterback. That's just me. I've not been a picket fan at all uh, ever since before the draft, before he got drafted. So, um, I, but I think the Steelers have a chance. It being at home makes it very interesting. I think it being in Pittsburgh, this was in San Fran. I think it, I think it might be like a touchdown. I think, cause I think San Fran could feed off that, but Pittsburgh is going to make it tough. I think this is going to be one of the tougher tests of the week. So I definitely agree with you, but give me San Fran by like a field goal. John? I'm going to stick with my boys. I think they – not my boys, but my, my team, my secret team this year, this secret snake, sneaky team this year. This is going to be a statement game for Kenny Pickett, Najee Harris, and uh, Deontay Johnson. I think they're going to come out, and they're going to punch the, the, the 49ers because I don't think the 49ers are going to take them seriously. I think the 49ers are a little bit lax right now. You know, obviously had uh, the big Trey Lance trade, you know, got him off there. Debo is still coming off that injury that he had last year. Same with Brock Purdy, like Trey was mentioning. I think this is a statement game. I think Kenny Pickett comes out, throws for over 300, has about three or four touchdowns, wins the game for the Steelers. Um, I do agree with Mike. I think it's close, but I think it's a touchdown win by the Steelers. Um, in a late game drive, and I can't, I I just can't go against Mike Tomlin. He's a he's a late game. I mean, we all saw that 2010 yep. Super Bowl with the Buccaneers or the uh, at the Buccaneers Stadium versus Cardinals. the uh, Cardinals. Yep. That was a hell of a freaking call right there. So, yeah, yeah. In San Antonio. So I mean, I, I got to give it to Mike Tomlin. I think the 49ers are a great team, but I think the Steelers come out on top. Jay. 10 a.m. game time for the Niners. It is always kind of, despite the East Coast team that is hosting the West Coast team, it's not that you need a great East Coast team and that would and that's why you get the win. We've seen many a times a Colts team that's not that good beat a Chargers team that's very good because of the 10 a.m. game time. That's definitely going against San Fran. I know it's just week one, so it's not as much wear or tear and there's less rest and you're waking up early, et cetera, et cetera. Kittle's questionable. We don't know if Purdy's going to be himself. McCaffrey's obviously going to have to bear the load on this. Steelers do a great job at loading the box, and they may slow him down a little more than most teams can with the edge speed. So I feel like this is a good matchup for the Steelers. I'll take the points, which is two and a half. I think this is a really strange sort of one-point game, and it could swing either way. I'll go with Mike where I think the 49ers somehow put together a last-minute drive and, and, and squeak this win up. I'm not alone. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's gonna be it, it's really interesting. I mean this matchup, all, there's like a, there's like six or seven great matchups this week. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm the last one, so yes. I'll just take it away what's with your, my last one. So I was going through it. I was tough, right? So I think the two teams that have the most, you know, statements is the Denver Broncos and the Las Vegas Raiders. They have made changes over the past off season with one changing the quarterback, one changing the head coach and all the schemes and everything that Sean Payton brings to the Broncos. I think both these teams have a lot to play for in week one because Russell Wilson was a shell of himself, right, last year. So 
he was the laughing stock of the NFL, in my opinion. And I love Sean Payton and says, stop fucking kissing babies and get your head in the fucking game. And I love that because it's the truth. I think he cares more about his image than he does the game. And if that's the case, then don't be a quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion. Or, or move aside and let the next guy come up, right? But I know it's all about money and shit. But, like, there's there's a balance, right? Like, Tom Brady did it, right? And I'm not comparing him to Tom Brady. Don't worry. I'm not comparing him to Tom Brady. But I'm saying, like, as, as brands-wise – he had to deal with a lot of brands and do a lot of stuff outside of football. But when he locked in the football, he locked in for those 16 weeks, right? You're out pretty much from February to August, right? So like do your shit in that time and then lock in for 17 weeks or whatever. Right. So I, and then Jimmy G, right. He's also been kind of like the laughing stock in a sense. Everyone jokes about him. He can't stay healthy when he is on the field. I think he's a pretty good quarterback, right? I think he's a top 20, maybe quarterback in the league. He can still start in this league. The biggest thing is, can he stay healthy, right? And that's the biggest question mark. And But I think both teams are set up to win. And that's the that's the bonus with both these quarterbacks. Are you finally admitting that Russ is a phony? I've been telling you, for years, I've been telling you Russ is a phony. Russ is a phony? Yes, he's a big fat phony. He's a phony, big fat phony. In his prime, though, when they were going to Super Bowl, is that boy that boy could play some ball? No, when I say phony, I don't mean phony as he's a phony Phony personality. I meant the person. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got you. Like, if you met met him, he would probably like he's like that guy. Did y'all hear how he sounded when he signed that contract? His whole voice was different. He was laying in bed with Sierra and he signed the contract. I was like, who the fuck is that talking? That was a voiceover. It's like a whole different person. He had a fucking gold chain on. So who the fuck is this guy? But I just think those two teams have a lot lot, lot of, like, turnaround, you know, losing Derek Carr, have Jimmy G come in. But they do have solid teams around them. That's 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 the scary part, right? They have good receivers. One of the best receivers in in Jimmy – Jimmy G has in the league in Devontae Adams. You know, he got a good number two in Hunter Renfro. All right. Uh, oh, no, wait. Is Hunter Renfro still on the team? Yep. Yeah, so, um, yeah, barely. But, I mean, it, it, <laughs> he's still going to be, like, the guy that, you know, is number two, right? And Jimmy G loves that. One thing that the Vegas lost was Darren Waller, which was, I thought, terrible move. Um, because, I well, I know you do, but Jimmy G is the <laughs> tight end quarterback, right? So, yeah. he – he loves his tight ends. Him and Kittle Gronk, were great. Gronk Kittle. were great. Yeah. You know, like those those were his guys. So I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that's a that's a great matchup. I'm gonna say Vegas wins by 10 in this game. I think they win by 10 in this game. Um, and I think, but I think Russell Wilson and the Broncos prove that they're not the bottom feeders of the league, that they should that they aren't. So yeah. Trey. I'm gonna go Vegas. I'm going to say it's close, and I'm going to say it's going to be on some bullshit how it's going to happen. It's going to be like a crazy tip pass, a crazy penalty. It's going to be some crazy shit that's going to end up in this game. Honestly, I'm not really high on either team, to be honest yeah. with you. I've never been high on Jimmy G. Uh, enjoy him while you can. Uh, and by week five, you'll be playing. I forgot who the backup is now. But he'll probably be in by week five. But Jimmy G's always going to get hurt. That's what this is. Eventually, Devontae. I don't, you know, I, Devontae's one of those sneaky people that I think actually might get traded because yeah. I can see everything go south for them and they eventually trade him, but I think everything's going to be good early because it's like, oh, okay, Jimmy G's there. And Josh Jacobs is okay right now because he got the contract, but he still didn't really get the contract he wanted. 
Mm-hmm. I just don't think Russ got that much left in the tank. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people forget just, that, that he's been in the league almost twelve years now. Yeah, people yeah, forget you know, that. It's like, <laughs> and even if you go back to even his best day of his career, it always been leaning on the running game. Uh, yeah. You know, they got a running back that's coming back from injury at the end mm-hmm. of the day, which is still, you know, that's usually a two-year injury you're waiting for over there. If I remember right, isn't Jerry Judy hurt to start the year right now? Or is he's, quest- he's, he's questionable. questionable. He's yeah. questionable. Okay, so I'm not really feeling that. Yeah. I, I'm just not – I think for Sean Payton to work, and I'm not saying it can't work, I think Sean Payton's going to need a year to really install his culture for the team the way he mm-hmm. wants it. They didn't really change from last year's team, so I don't think this is really the team Payton wants. This is the team Payton got stuck with. So I think the Broncos are going to really do something to Sean Payton. It'll mm-hmm. be a year after Williams gets better and fully healthy. Uh, he probably get Wilson the fuck out of there, and mm-hmm. Sean Payton gets installed what he wants to. So in, in my mind, I don't think either team's going to be great, and that's actually why this is probably going to be a good matchup because I expect a lot of sloppiness and some crazy shit. We're going to be laughing at like a stupid interception. Jimmy G throwing a blind pass because he's closed his eyes. We've seen the Super Bowl. Jimmy G was throwing blind passes. Never forget that in that mm-hmm. Super Bowl. Go back and look at it. The man yeah. was throwing blind passes. We look at <laughs> Russ. Russ doesn't want to run anymore. What so, do you mean they were no look passes? <laughs> my bad. Yeah, Jimmy G was doing the Magic Johnson impersonation. He was doing no look passes in the middle of the Super Bowl. So I'm just I, I'm I'm not high on either team, yeah. but I think it actually makes for a fun matchup because I expect a lot of crazy shit to actually happen. Uh, Jay, what are you thinking on this matchup? Uh, hey, Jay, it's an interesting matchup. I, I just because I, I like. The, the conference rivalry, these, these two teams over the years have played a very grimy sort of game. I mean, a lot of it is, you know, attest to the fact that the Broncos haven't had, you know, last year at Wilson, a quarterback that can score points or put points on the board. So tend to be low scoring games that do come down to get within a field goal a lot of times. I, I definitely don't see a team pulling away by double digits in this one. I think it stays pretty close to most of the game, barring turnovers from either quarterback. Um, then that may change the game flow at some point. But um, Jacoby Myers is probably the number two right now out there over Hunter Renfro, to be honest. You're right. Oh, yeah, okay, a yeah, slot yeah, position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that I might be that might be better for Jimmy G because he's a speedster that can get him to get rid of the ball quickly because I have a feeling that Peyton's going to be dialing up as many blitzes as possible or getting his D coordinator to say, look, we got to pressure this guy because that's how you get to Jimmy G quick. So I think Denver has the better defense. I think that's why they get the edge in this game. I believe the game is in Denver. Is that correct, John? Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. So we know how that goes with you know McManus kicking sixty-seven yard field goals from He's anywhere. He's not on the team yeah. anymore. Ah, He's that's right. They traded, got, for he, Will, they traded for they Will traded. But yeah, to be he, honest, brought, he brought his he, guy in. He's also good. But to your point there on the kicker side, that always plays a big uh, game. There, Carlson on the Raiders was one of the top three kickers the last he year. He is. He is. So that might actually swing it Raiders in a close game because they do have a stronger kicker who yeah. has, is accurate and playing with altitude. Correct. It's a swing pick for me. I think like either way, one team wins it by a, you know a very small margin on on the kicker more than anything. I could definitely see this game being a snoozer though. John yeah. John style of game, like you know, like a nine six halftime or a ten three <laughs> halftime. John's sex texas in the group. You guys watching this great matchup? No, no, no. I think I agree with Trey. It's gonna be sloppy, bro. I don't think it's gonna be a great defense defensive matchup. That's what I like. Defensive football. That's what I like. Good defensive plays and stuff, not sloppy. Good defensive football, yeah, isn't sloppy. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, 
but Mike, just, just a question. So let me ask you guys something that I, uh, when I thought of this matchup is that one thing that I thought was really disrespectful, and you guys can disagree if you want, um, is they were comparing because Sean Payton, you know, kind of turned around Drew Brees' career, right, and helped, helped Drew Brees turn around his career. Do you feel like Russell Wilson, and I'm not saying he is Drew Brees, but do you think he's like – they were comparing Russell Wilson to Drew Brees at the point of his career. I don't see it. Personally. And that's the same career because he got Drew Brees way earlier. Way yeah. earlier, but I'm saying, yeah, like, so turn, cool. turn him around. But, like, he turned – Drew Brees was pretty much on the way out, right? So – and so is Russell Wilson. I think that's the comparative, right? So – But it was too – I don't see it. They were on the way out. Drew Brees right. was almost on the way out because of injuries. Russell Wilson on the way out because of age. Age, right. So Not to mention – compared it to because Drew Brees, remember, the Dolphins could have had him, didn't want him because they, didn't, they were scared of physical. Right. On him at the time. This isn't that where Russ Russ is just fucking old. So yeah. I don't think you really can compare the bring it back. I don't think Sean Payton is in love with Russell Wilson. I don't no, think he's not. because no. I think it's a reason why they went out there and signed Stidham to that money because I wouldn't be shocked if Stidham and people may look crazy about it. Stidham is starting in week 10. I would not be shocked. I don't well, think it's funny that, on this shit with him. No. Even the shit you were just talking about, John, the city was talking to, to, yeah. to him. You don't talk to somebody you really love and respect like that. You don't want Russell Wilson. They're no, stuck with him because they traded all them fucking draft picks and because mm-hmm. he has that high contract. If Russell Wilson had an easy out right now, he wouldn't even be starting quarterback for Denver if it was Sean Payton's uh, up to him. I, I think this is by default. That's why I think year two, because now it's a little bit less money on capital if you want to get rid of Russ and shit like that. Then I think Sean Payton, if Sean Payton could do the Sean Payton effect, I think it's year two because then yeah. he has real control. All right. Mike, what are your thoughts on this game? So, first, I'd like to answer Trey's question from before, which is that uh, Vegas's backup quarterback is the picture that you will see when you look up backup quarterback in the dictionary, which it's is Tyrod Brian Hoyer. Oh, it's Hoyer. It's Brian Hoyer. Tyrod Hoy. Taylor. Bro. You know Tyrod, yeah. No, he's, he's Giants. And I, and I heard this a long time ago from Bamani Jones. It's actually made sense. To be a good backup quarterback, you have to look really good and fit it has and team gear. And yep. Brian Hoyer and Tyrod Taylor, those gentlemen look very nice. They saw yeah. a lot of gear. You gotta look I, good. Be Brian Hoyer in that Absolutely. nice. He could be he could be the mannequin. Just... Yeah, when I see him in that nice <laughs> Raiders hat on the sideline, I'm gonna like want to go to NFL.com and go shop. Like he looks like the guys in that commercial. But I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead. I'm... Yeah, 100 percent No, you I also would add in that you have to look good while holding a laminated version of the playbook. Yeah, also that's it. <laughs> it's not even a blaze, just a white piece of paper. Oh, no, it is. Nothing, it nothing is. 100%. It. <laughs> There's nothing on it. You just need to look like you're busy helping the other quarterback and coach work out the place. It's his wife's grocery list. Yeah. What do I got to get to the game? Mustard. <laughs> <clears throat> I think ahead, there's man. a Publix on the way home if I can get no. Um, so my initial thought is Denver, this Denver team would be a heck of a lot better if they had actually kept Bradley Chubb at this point with what they put together. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I agree, I'm not super high on either team this year. Uh, Peyton definitely is going to need an extra year to this is the year where you figure out who on the current roster is going to get a shot next year in camp to continue to play for the team. Um, Being that it's in mile high, I'm always partial to go with Denver at home just because, you know, altitude, climate, all that kind of thing. They're kind of used to this, Mm -hmm. especially the guys that have been on the team for, you know, multiple years. So 
I this is my game that I have getting wacky, getting like you get said, getting sloppy, and something crazy happening. So give me Denver by this is my one point game. Give me Denver by one point. Okay. And maybe it is Lutz hitting a game winning field goal or something to that effect from like 70 yards out. He breaks ah. the NFL record because of the lack of <laughs> resistance in the air or some, some wild shit like that. But yeah. I, I think I'll take Denver cause they're at home. I think they're about even in teams and no, That's by a, the way, let me tell you Russell what Wilson is not Drew will not be decided on the foot of a kicker. And by the way, Larry David has a great take on why kicking should be taken out of the NFL. Have you ever seen on the rich Eisen show? Yeah, I did. I, mean, see awesome. that. I did so, see that. Uh, the the honorable mention of the most exciting game this week will be Miami and the Los Angeles Chargers. Yes, that game will yeah, be fireworks. Yes, and I think that I think the Chargers are going to come in. That is, I mean, we can all say I think the Chargers are coming in embarrassed, mm-hmm. and they should. They should be ashamed. They should be ashamed of themselves, mm-hmm. not for losing the game, but ultimately losing that lead. I thought it was 27 nothing. It was 31 nothing. 31? 31. They should be ashamed for losing the game in general, though, yeah. too. Because Jacksonville is a very young team. Yes. And the Chargers are supposed to be this cohesive unit. They went out and got all those players. <laughs> yeah, they regardless. Whether they losing the lead makes it worse, but they should be ashamed regardless because yeah. most of us didn't have Jacksonville in the playoffs last year as a playoff team, let alone winning a playoff round last year. We all said Jacksonville was a year away, and, and <laughs> Justin Herbert was supposed to be the second coming of God with that on. And Trevor out there looking like sunshine. <laughs> yeah. And you got Trevor well, dancing. Yeah. Well, let us know who your week one matchup is besides your team. Um, go birds. I know Jamie's saying go bucks. Mike is saying go birds. Uh no, Trey's saying go that's what I'm saying. Not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying go Vikings, Caleb Williams sweepstakes, <laughs> But um you might not let us know in the comments what you guys think, and we'll uh We'll see. We'll see what happens this weekend. NFL season starting. I want to do a PSA. So it's week one, and what's going to happen is going to be a lot of overreactions for fans of both ways. Some fans are going to go crazy and say the team's going to the Super Bowl, and some fans are going to be like, "Dump the coach, get rid of the quarterback, let's tank and go get Caleb Williams." The thing is, it's week one, so do not overreact. It's a long season. And this happens every year. We get these crazy overreactions, and everybody's ready to jump off a bridge and, and tank the whole team. Please, fans, do not do this. Whoever you're a fan of, it's only week one. So stay in mindset and know that everything is going to work out. Maybe it won't work out. Maybe you will take for Caleb Williams. But at least wait a couple weeks and see what's going to happen. There's a lot of injuries that are going to happen. There may be some free agents that come up. It may be a couple trades. Maybe some of these players aren't fully acclimated at the preseason. So my thing here is, don't panic. In the words of Aaron Rodgers, relax. But moving on to our next topic, yes. which is do the college preseason rankings even matter? I, you know, like it's it's been a topic of question with a lot of these teams that lose early. Trey, I'll throw it over to you because I know you were very animated on this. Well, I think the preseason rankings are actually stupid. Part of why I think they're stupid is because how are we really judging the preseason rankings based on what? So you get a team like Colorado, for example. Colorado comes out, and they transfer in, like, a whole new team. They're based on an expansion team. So we base on not ranking them on what? 
the reason TCU was ranked was because we assumed they were going to be good because they were in the national championship last year. But these are a completely different set of guys. There's a new quarterback. Most of those guys even went to the league or they're accounting somewhere or doing plumbing or whatever the hell they did after college football. So I don't see how when you equate this, we're going a lot of times off of who A do we have in the Heisman race? What team is that? And what programs do we necessarily respect? So whether every year, what do we look at? It's my Buckeyes. We look at Georgia. We look at Alabama. The reason Clemson was rated nine was because of reputation. There's nothing about what I saw Clemson play that would make you think they were number nine team other than you saw Dabo Sweeney and you saw that little orange paw print on the side of the helmet. So you assumed that they were still going to be good. So when you're doing the preseason rankings, what are we basing this on? The transfer portal has made this even harder than ever because so many people are switching teams. So how can yeah. we really walk in and automatically judge this? What good does the, does the preseason poll really do? Because what's going to happen is a few weeks from now, the committee's going to go in and they're going to lay down their rules. And then once they lay down who they want, that's going to change a lot of opinions of people at that point because the committee doesn't always agree with the AP coaches poll or the sportingnews.com poll or whatever the hell poll they're looking at. So for me, preseason polls, honestly, I don't think they really should do pre. I don't think they should really rank until a couple weeks in. One last point of why I don't think they should rank until we get a little bit further in. We always get this thing early where some team goes in, they beat a team, and they say, well, they beat the number four team in the country. And then by week 10, that team has lost three more matchups, and they actually aren't the number four team in the country. So are we going to retroactively keep saying they beat the number four team in the country, or are we going to go off we actually saw weeks down the road? We've seen this many years, especially in the SEC, where some team comes in, LSU or somebody, and they think they're going to be good, and then three teams beat up on them, and they get catapulted up because they beat on what was supposed to be the number five team in the country who ends up ending the year at number 23. So that wasn't really the number five team in the country. You shouldn't get bonus points off of that. So for me, we should wait a few weeks, see what we see, let a couple matchups go, and then start doing the ranking. Mm -hmm. How are you feeling about this, Jay? So I have a pretty interesting outlook on like how we can make this more fun. And I feel like we have to allow things to shift a little bit, right? I think we're done with this idea that preseason rankings determine anything other than the right. fact that Georgia's number one, right? Like that we know, okay, hands down, Georgia's number one until somebody dethrones them. Right. So I have an interesting idea here, and I would love for college football to consider this. Start with no rankings in week one. And what you do is, since we're thinking top 25, you do a 25-point basis score system with four separate categories. The first one, which is most important, is your recruiting class and the transfers that you got. So you're scoring out of 25 what you give that team, right? So a team that had a great, like Colorado, you can say, okay, we give them a 21. They rehaul the roster. They're bringing in key players. They prove themselves in week one. You might not have known that, but you might score them high. Then you go pro prospects at key positions on the team. So do you have a lot of pro prospects in your key positions, which means you can win games? because of that one player having that upside. So you score that out of 25. Then the how competitive your conference was in the previous season. So is your conference proving to be a, a very competitive conference that has had numerous teams in the top 25 as per last year, because the drop-off might not be that big? Put that over 25. And then what you do in week one is you just give them the eye test. So that's your final 25 points. Then you have the top 25 teams that scored the most points on the scale of 100, and you just do 1 through 25 ranking back from whoever scores a 90 high down to whoever scores or whatever that difference is, right, a 74. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe teams have point differences, like this team got 
86.2 or 86.8 because you do tens of differences. And to me, it makes it fun because you're leaving week one saying, now you have to earn your top 25 position this year, right now, based on these parameters. So week two looks like the actual top 25. And if they would do that, then you move forward from there with more of an idea of how, how, how things are looking this season, not like what Trey said, we're coming off of last season's results, mm-hmm. and this is why we think TCU is, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Well, to add your point, uh, and this goes back to last week's topic, people want to start off with cupcakes. Maybe people will stop starting with cupcakes because now that would actually give you more incentive to now yep. go play a real team because now what eye test does it mean if you go out here and beat up on, you know, southeast Tennessee Portland State, State 81 yeah, to 7. <laughs> any type of extra benefit of starting off like that. If anything, you might get punished for that. So maybe you do come in with a little bit of harder matching. I'm not yep. saying you got to go, you know, LSU, Florida State, but maybe you at least play Duke. If you're, you know, Clemson, mm-hmm. you know, at least maybe you go play another team in a power five, <laughs> at least. Yeah. You know, I, and Jay, that's, a, I love that system. Cause I think that works great. I have another system, right? So, and, th- and this is very like bold to do and it's never going to happen, but you don't release the rankings until the season's over. You don't do any rankings at all. You let it go. You play the season. And at the end of the year, we have our final rankings. Why? Because they change every single week. What does it really matter if you're number one in the beginning of the week and then you're number 50 at the end of the season, right? So it doesn't matter until that final week. So why not just make it end of the season? And then you're going to have, like, then it's going to go more to the school, right? We're going to see West Virginia play Penn State. And we're going to think, oh, that could be a really good – like that's, those are two high perennial schools, right? West Virginia used to be a really good powerhouse in football. Same with – and Penn State is a powerhouse right now. So, that like the names draw attention, right? So, you know, Clemson and Duke. Duke is a high basketball school, right? We're not expecting that. And then they kick the shit out of Clemson. You know, these names are going to draw more attention than the number by their – there, like I didn't even know Florida State was ranked. To be honest with you, all serious aside, I didn't know they were ranked until top that 10 game. About to be top, top ten. 10. But like, it's just a matchup that happened last year. What happened on the field came back this year, and obviously they won that game. So mm-hmm. that's my first point on that. I think just do it at the end of the season after the uh, Big Ten or the uh, conference championship week. Send the rankings out, and those are the teams. It allows us to kind of like let teams read a little bit, but also like not to really know. You can't really know where you're at. You don't know where you're at in the committee's head, right? You don't know where if I sit third or do I sit sixth, right? You know, so I kind of like that feeling. The one thing I do have to say though is I think people need to relax in TCU, in my opinion. Not they I think Colorado's gonna be inside the top ten at the end of the season. Wow. They're gonna have two losses. One is going to be Oregon. One's going to be USC, and that's it. I think they got Oregon. That, that's it. They got Oregon at Oregon and USC at, at home. Okay, USC at home, but that's a good Colorado team. They have, I think, like twenty or thirty, to, uh, you know, uh, five star recruits. They have, you know, obviously Shadur Sanders, you know, Travis Hunter, who's a two way player, one hundred and ten plays in the game. So, in my opinion, like. That's a good Colorado team, and TCU fought until the end. And TCU revamped their entire team in the sense because they lost a lot of guys to the transfer portal or lost the NFL. So I give TCU credit, and I give that linebacker that said they're the laughing stock of college football. 
I know you guys got embarrassed in the national championship game, you know, but in my opinion, if Michigan would have went, I think it would have been the same results. If not, probably. And and that's, that's my boys in Michigan, but that Georgia team was rolling last year. So, you know, but I don't think they're the laughing stock of college football. I think the laughing stock of college football has that paw print on their head in Clemson and they should be outside the top 25 instead of TCU. She like I like I like that idea a lot that you have there because then schools don't feel like they're out of it because they don't know if they're the seven looking in from the outside and there's no way that they can hop the five or six because of certain circumstances. I really like that because you're playing the season to the end and yes. and behind the scenes they're tracking the rankings. It's Correct. just never public. It's never publicized, right? Especially so, when you go to it, especially when you go to twelve teams like. Mm-hmm. You can't take a day off. Like, you don't know. Like, Michigan loses to, like, let's say Purdue. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, Michigan's like, ah, it's only one loss. And then it's like, well, at the end of the season, you're number 13 team. You missed the playoff. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that really didn't mean a lot. And it's like, yeah, you took a game off. So you don't know. So you've got to play every game to the end, right? So that's how I feel. Mikey Mike, what do you think? Yeah. So I like both of your ideas. I think they're both better alternatives to the current ranking system of it is okay. I'll say this. First of all, to answer the question first, preseason rankings mean nothing other than making whoever's in the top 25 feel good about themselves. And then here's a list of 25 teams that we think are going to be good this year. Yeah. That's all it is. Cause you don't know, obviously from, as you can see, Clemson and Colorado, as we continue to name, cause those are the two primary examples. I like the ideas because, and this is me, I love college football. Like, you know, I love watching games every week, like big Notre Dame fan, you know, you know that. Hearing the rankings every week and hearing people talk about nothing but the rankings every week gets really, really annoying. I don't care. Oh, well, you know, you guys beat this. Okay, I don't care. We won the game. We lost the game. Like, I, I don't care. I don't care. Like yeah. event at some point. Oh, did you see Georgia's number one for like the fiftieth straight week? No shit. They they're back to back national champions, and they haven't lost yet this year. Of course, they're still number one. Right. Why is anybody shocked that? Oh well, Bama jumped to number three. Okay, are they one? No. Okay, who cares? Right. Like <laughs> honestly, I would if if anything to kind of meet your guys' ideas in the middle. If you want to do it every like a ranking after week five and then a ranking after week, you know, going into the conference championships and then a ranking coming out of the championships. That's fine. Okay. We've got more of a sample size to pull from. Yeah. We're not, we're not putting a team in the top 10 because they kicked the shit out of Portland state. And then the next week they lose to Colorado state. Okay. So what was the point of putting them in the top 10? They're apparently not, Apparently, it's just that they're better than Portland State, not that they're so good. So. One thing I liked about Jays is that it, the one key point was the recruiting, right? So, it puts a little yeah. bit more, so we always talk about the players on the field. We never talk about the coaches on the outside, right? So, I mean, we right. do, right? We, we do talk about the coaching. Like, that was terrible coaching. But, like, what you do off the field is just as important. What you do going to get recruiting, going to enter the transfer portal, you know, getting how many players left for the transfer portal, those type of things, I think play a huge factor in your team coming back. So 
That's why I say that's why I say I give TCU credit to even be in that game because in my opinion, I thought it was a two or three touchdown win by Colorado. I didn't think it would be as close as it was. But you know, give hats off to TCU for coming back and recouping and you know getting a quarterback in there and in in a replacement of the uh uh one dude, Max Dugan, I think it was. Yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, so I actually like that that idea for the points, but it's just it's just they don't make any sense. Like I Do never look at, if it made if it mattered, then Syracuse was a number seventeen team in the country last year then. Because they were they were at one point there. They lost to Clemson and then they're out, right? So right. like those teams, like it doesn't really matter to them. Like you finish the season six and seven. So does and it really so matter? objective. That's the thing. That's the other good thing I would say about Jay's point system is it makes it so much less objective. It's so less opinionated because it's it's the AP poll, which is considered the other than the college football playoff poll now, the you know, during the season top poll, it's 60 guys or 60 writers. Well, one thing that college basketball did was they did, you know, I kind of I started getting it now is the quadrant wins like where right you have the quadrant wins how they base you off that like here's your quad ones here's your quad twos right threes and fours like that's kind of what kind of jay was talking about they have a point system with that so correct correct that that system kind of works in that way but I, it doesn't matter until the end of the year and well, that's the only works that works but who's who's first one in first one out yeah 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 but, you well, know yeah. but still it's, it's some semblance right. of a system on how to do yeah things. it does I think it does. It, it gives you they, a good a good idea of who should clear cut be a number one as opposed right. to yeah. you know right. is this is this school get getting a number one ranking because they you know they survived a strong conference but their record doesn't reflect it because their quad one wins too like I think that's better than having let's say a Baylor no offense to Baylor but they do play in a great conference but if the conference was weak and Baylor goes you know the whole season playing really weak teams predominantly but then. You have a North Carolina that's getting beat up by other teams three, four in the top ten. It makes more sense to be like that team passes the eye test. They won't do it, but it does create a system of fairness to me where you're getting the better teams in those positions that they should be in based on them having that talent as opposed to a team not having to play that hard all year and still win games. In college, I guess, you know, the the one the one thing that does make the rankings exciting is for schools that don't normally get a crack or taste of that top yeah. 25. Maybe game day is like, maybe we should visit that campus. All You know, like they're yeah. having a great year based on their ranking. They're hyped up now. The school, you know, it, it hypes things up for schools that aren't perennially a top or not a top 25 perennial team. I do give game day credit, though. They they have kind of gone off and done the smaller schools mm -hmm. and whatnot, which has been great. Um, but, yeah, I, I like that factor of it, seeing a school that don't normally get to, you know, you get Alabama like four times a year. You get Ohio State and Michigan a couple times a year. So, like, you get those big schools eventually. Yeah. So, but, you know, we'll see We'll see what happens this week. We got Alabama-Texas, which is a great matchup. We have Miami-Texas A&M, awesome. which could be a sneaky good test uh, for the for the Aggies there against the Hurricanes in Miami. Um, and – Trey, who do Ohio State play? Yep, South State. Close game in, in Ohio State at the Horseshoe yep, for the yep. home opener. Real, um, real battle. <laughs> real battle in Youngstown State. Yep. But makes it, let us know what game you're excited to see and what you think about the preseason rankings. I had a story pop up on my timeline earlier that I feel like is so odd and out there that I have to talk about it. So let's go uh, south of the border to Mexico. 
where the Mexico City Marathon occurred. And according to a newspaper in Mexico, they had 11,000 people get disqualified from the race simply because they cut corners in it. They got caught cheating and cutting around the course so that they could try to finish the race faster. Now, I understand in a race like this, it may occur. You know, these things may happen with one or two people, maybe a handful, but 11,000 people. That was a third of the pool that was in the race. There were 30,000 people in the marathon and 11,000 of them, so over a third, cheated. They must have got together before the race some kind of meeting, some kind of bullshit, because how do 11,000 people do the same thing in this race? Come on, guys. Be respectable to this marathon. Run the race the right way, and if you can't win it, then don't run it. As we're talking about rankings here, let's let's take it over to our signature and our guy who is ranked number one in our in our signature game in Stump. Stump. Take it away, Grandpa Jay. Yeah, so in typical Mikey Mike fashion, a guy comes back to the show and gets his first dub and dethrones me and takes away the quadrangular. <laughs> but we're going for a new streak this week. Boys, Trey and John, I wish you the best. I didn't think you're getting off the snide this week, though. <laughs> Mikey Mike. I'm in the negatives. <laughs> you again, buddy. But we're going to prove whether or not I'm right this week. Welcome to Stump the Squad, our favorite part of the show. We're doing it a little bit different in case you guys haven't seen our new format. We're still doing the two points if you get it right, negative two if you get it wrong. However, we're doing a cumulative total wins going all the way up to show 100. And the person who has the most wins at show 100 wins whatever grand prize we're thinking. Guys, I got myself a championship belt this week. Sent the picture to you guys in my fantasy big league. Got myself a trophy that's the size of my door. I'm loving, I'm loving the, the the gaudiness of it. I think we definitely need our own championship belt. So that might be what the winner gets. And then we just pass it on to whoever wins every 25 shows. But let's take it away this week. John, you will either stump the squad or not. Let's see what you got this week. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I have an NFL question, and it is how many teams do not retire jerseys in the NFL? How many? Is it two, three, four, or five? Four. Mike says four. three. Trey says four. Three. Grandpa J. Two. Grandpa J says two. One, which isn't an answer. Yes, it is one. No. <laughs> ah, he didn't put the, that's how you get him. You put the answer. <laughs> you don't put the answer. <laughs> Uh, I, I have successfully stumped Trey and Mike. It is ah. two. And the two teams are the Vegas, a.k.a. Oakland Raiders, because, you know, both of them, and yeah. the Dallas Cowboys. I need the Cowboys. No, of did. course the Cowboys don't. Yeah. And they do not retire numbers. So. I need the Cowboys, then. I didn't know Vegas. Then. Mikey, Mike, take it away. All right. So, slide it on. Oh. Oh. There you go. <laughs> All right, so we'll slide it on over to college football. We'll talk about rankings. Which of the following unranked teams who won the national championship was the only team to lose a game? Say that again? Uh, so which of the following unranked, pre unranked preseason teams? Yeah. 
So they were in the preseason rankings. They mm-hmm. were not ranked. Mm-hmm. Went on that year to win the national championship. With a loss. Who is the only one to do it with a loss? Okay. Is it A, 1981 Clemson? B, 1983 Miami. C, 1984 BYU. Or D, 1990 Georgia Tech. I'm going Georgia Tech. Yeah, me too. Trace the train, John. Say Georgia Tech. Grandpa J. BYU. I I, I want to say Georgia Tech did have one loss in sort of Nebraska, but they got it. And you know what? I'm not going to go there. Okay. I'm going to go with 82. BYU. Nope. 83, you said? Uh, I got – so the other two options would be 81 Clemson and 83 yeah. Miami. 83 Miami. Okay. This week I have successfully stumped Trey and John in his yeah, 1983 Miami. Miami. Yeah. Now, I, rem- I remember the – the uh the documentary and I remember them losing early and I, I did that. week one yeah. week one they got absolutely crushed by number sixteen Florida yes yeah, now I will say this before we go to the next person guys you were not entirely wrong in your thinking nineteen ninety mm. Georgia Tech did not have a loss but they did have a tie mm, that's what it was oh okay they tied North Carolina. Mm-hmm. All right, fine, Grandpa Jay. You go ahead with your getting questions right. Well, how about we just stay in the college football world? My question is, so you guys, I jumped on that Coach Prime train. When was the last time CU was unranked in the preseason and jumped into the top 25 after week one? Was it 2003, 2004, 2010, or 2013? They said this after the game, too. Yes, they did. 13. So last time CU was unranked in preseason but jumped in the top 25 after week one was 2003, 2004, 2010, or 2013. I'm going 03. Uh, hold on. Let me look it up. <laughs> Give me a second. Here. Uh, um, I'm going to go 2000. <laughs> you said 2010, right? 3, 4, 10, and 13 are the options. I'm going to go th- 2010. Okay, John. 13. Trey. Mikey Mike. Ladies and gentlemen, I have successfully stumped John and Mike. It is 2003. Oh, wow. Yes, there we go. That would be the last time they jumped unranked into the rankings. <laughs> the last time they were ranked was the shortened preseason, I mean, the shortened COVID season, December 2020. They were 4 0. I'm so glad we didn't do the point scheme where it adds up over time. I'd be in like negative 37 right now or 36. (laughs) I have only got an answer right in four weeks. (laughs) (laughs) And including overtime. (laughs) All right, Trey, take it on. What's our score before we go here? All right, so we got Grandpa J at four. Oh, Grandpa J wins, I think. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, he's gonna win. So Grandpa Jake picks up his fourth victory this week. Let me just update. Oh, I think climactic. I knew I was out. I just didn't know if anybody else had a shot. No, you <laughs> had minus two, and Mike and I have minus four. So yeah, I knew I was. I was I knew only that one. <laughs> All right, we'll do this question for fun. Okay, so I'm trying to sweep it. This let's go three, 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 three,
Okay, so back to the NFL since this is week one. In the NFL, the highest scoring team, so highest scoring team to ever scored in one week was in nineteen seventy three. It was the Atlanta Falcons. They beat the New Orleans Saints in that game sixty two to seven. Woo! So nice. What a ass kicking. Sixty two to seven. In that game, how many turnovers did the Saints commit on that day? Six, seven, eight, or nine? Six. The Saints got beat, right? 62 to seven? Yes. Mike, you didn't choose seven? Did the Saints commit while getting beat down? Six. I'm going to go seven. Wait, wait. And because of that, I will go eight. Those are already here, Mike. So seven, John, eight, Jamie. See, now Mike, you point that out. He said eight. I said six. Oh, six. And six for Mike. Okay, so unfortunately for you all, today I have successfully stumped everybody except for Jamie. Damn. Jesus Christ. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) The man is on fire, ladies and gentlemen. And our week, our 75th episode champion, and has four wins in the. Stump the squad challenge. Here's what I'm gonna do for you guys. Since you guys are already gone fishing, I'll just put on the fishing gear for you, right? You know, since you guys should be putting your fishing bowls together because it's time to go fishing, boys. You got a lot of ground to make up already here. We back in the winning seat, baby. Let's go. It's gonna be a dramatic comeback. Trey, what were you saying? Real quick facts about that game before. We move on. Like I said, it was 62 to 7 ass kicking. Uh, the starting quarterback for that game, Mike's boy, Archie Manny. No way. Archie yeah, well, the father of Mike. No, no, that's your boy. He, he, he put his seeds out, and you love the seeds. So that, that's your boy. Pause. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Mike's boy, Arch, Archie Manny, he threw five interceptions in that game. He was five for 13 for 62 yards. The backup quarterback threw one interception that game. They also had two fumbles. And the crazy part about this is a fun fact of the game. Atlanta also fumbled the ball eight times in that game, but the Saints only recovered two of them. Jesus. So the game was there. They tried. They They tried. tried. They just couldn't (laughs) hand them the game. They kept dropping the ball and put it on the ground. So, yeah, it was a very sloppy game. They turned to a 62-7. God, 70s football, man. Yeah, 70s football, 1973. All right, so that was Stump the Squad, where Grandpa Jay takes a four to one with Mike. Two segs for Trey and I. Maybe Trey and I will get on the board. Trey, our strategy next week is anytime Jamie answers something right, we'll just go with his Yeah, Jamie has to go first every time. Yeah, we have to wait for that. We'll strategize it. But, fellas, another week in the books, our 75th episode. Thank you to everyone for for tuning in always. Over 500,000 views across all platforms. Couldn't do it without you guys. We love doing this every single week. So drop some comments below. Let us know what you love about the show and who your best also week drop on. Topic ideas. If there's certain topics, yeah. Yeah. please talk about certain <laughs> topics. If you want us to do certain individual videos, drop it. Let us know. Yeah. Well, you guys can tag us on Instagram and ask us a question. We'll repost. Yeah, we'll repost, we'll respond, we'll do videos. If there's certain videos you want the, the squad to do, if there's a video you want one of his individuals to do, yeah, we will respond. Well, fellas, oh, nice. any final nice. thoughts going into the weekend? Uh, yeah. You know what you should be watching on Sunday in between a terrible game? 
It's Carlos Alcaraz and Novak Djokovic, U.S. Open men's. Hold on, champion. Ben Shelton. Ben Shelton. Nah, it's football Sunday. Ain't nobody gonna be watching that except me, probably. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna What's be the tennis? one viewer. You're gonna be the one viewer in, in the U.S. Actually, you know how smart they are over in England. They're taking this weekend off, I think, because it's the NFL opening weekend. <laughs> There's no football being played over in England next weekend. It's smart, though. I mean, they do, the, yeah. do it the right way. But right, but real quick, opening night, who you guys got? Defending champs? Kansas City winning by three. I think Detroit takes them to the wire. Trey? Kansas City, late touchdown, win. Okay. Mahomes to – I'm going to say Mahomes is going to hit Marquez. I'm going to say he's going to hit him. <laughs> On a late pass to win the game. Uh, I agree. Chiefs late touchdown, but it's going to be a screen to Isaiah Pacheco. Jamie? Detroit football. Not Detroit football. Give me Jack Groff on a game-winning drive. You be on the road. You instantly became Brandon's best friend. Lions win by three. You just skipped Trey and Brandon's friend list. <laughs> <laughs> Well, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Remember to go to fansidea.com to get your jerseys for this weekend and for the season. You can put your brand on it as we have Cinco Squad here. Um, Cinco Squad 10, get that discount. And we'll see you guys here next week for Episode 76. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week, guys.